Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Vandy Sports Podcast. Here's your host, Chris Lee. Commodore fans, on your feet, it's time to anchor down. Welcome to the Vandy Sports Podcast. I'm your host, Chris Lee. Our guest today, Kevin Ingram, who is part of the announcing crew for Vanderbilt Athletics. Kevin appears on our guest line that is sponsored by Sutherland and Belk, a family-owned injury law firm. If you or a loved one has been hurt in an accident, give Taylor or Russell a call at 615-846-6200. See what your rights are and if they can help. Kevin Ingram joins me. He will be the sideline reporter for Vanderbilt football this year. He, of course, is part of the university's broadcast team. Kevin joins me every couple weeks. We've had a couple of talks about spring practice so far. Kevin, we're getting really close to the season now. Exciting times. How are you, my friend? I'm doing great, Chris. Uh, great as always to be with you. Yeah, it's finally almost time for games. Uh, we've watched a lot of practice. We've watched a couple of scrimmages, but uh, really looking forward to just seeing this team get out there and play somebody else and play a game that counts and just see how see how you do because, uh, yeah, you can only watch your team play against your team for so long, and then you want to see how you measure up. What stands out to you over the last week if you watch, as you've watched the team play? Uh, a lot of what stands out to me is probably some of the same things we talked about last time. Uh, how, how well the defense has, has looked uh, has been one thing. Um, you've seen – I feel like the, the defense has had the upper hand on quite a few of the practices we've seen. The offense has had some good days too. But to me, Davion Davis really stands out. I mean, the, the guy – I mean, just has a, a, you know, you talk about nonstop motor. He's one of those players and uh, he, he's really shined uh, in this camp as we've gotten ready to play the season. But I, I think you've seen uh, a lot of pretty nice performances on that side of the football. And you know, a lot of times this time of year, the defense might be a little bit ahead of the offense, but it's, it's felt that way in some of the practices. Uh, I know we're going to talk about the quarterbacks in a little bit, but uh, I've been pretty impressed by the, uh, the defense so far. You know, we have not spent a lot of time talking about the linebackers, but it feels to me like, and I try to be careful to make too many conclusions from August practices there against, you know, well, they're inter-squad scrimmages, right? So you don't know how this is going to look against SEC teams. But my gut feeling is if you had to make me guess who is the most or what is the most improved unit on the team, I would say it might be linebacker. I like what they're yeah. getting from Anthony Orgy. I think Dericky Wright is a real, real talent for them. And, and they've got Ethan Barr, who did some good things a year ago. So I feel like, to me, that if I'm having to pick right now, what is the most improved position you on the team that might be my pick? Yeah, you, you think back to last season, you talk about improved players. I thought Ethan Barr might have been the most improved player over the course of last season. I mean, he, he really flashed, ended up with 37 tackles and, you know, had a big finish. He had 10 tackles in Missouri and seven against Tennessee in the in the game here. And uh, Anthony Orgy, now he wears number zero, so he feels like he's much easier to pick out now. But, you know, a guy moved from safety to linebacker and looks like a really nice player. His brother's part of the program, too, and uh, right at the top of the list in tackles, uh, among, especially among returning players from last season. So, yeah, those two have been very noticeable. Uh, and, you know, I think, to me, Ricky Wright is a really interesting 
part of this defense. Uh, he was kind of one of those guys that's sort of in between defensive back and linebacker, but also that's good because you can use that versatility. You guys, a you know, four-star prospect coming out of high school in Alabama. He's been through a lot of really tough personal stuff with his, uh, his mother passing away last year. And, you know, it feels like the team and everybody's kind of rallied around him and uh, just hoping for good health. And I, I'm excited about seeing him and, and seeing what he has in store for us this season. Yeah. If you went and, just told somebody who popped in on practice and didn't know the roster and said spot the linebacker here who used to be a defensive back I don't think it's that hard to pick up on right right although you could say the same about orgy too but Wright I think has Uh really been good in coverage when I've watched him yeah, yeah, I, I like him a lot. And and again, he's, he's just one of those guys going to give this defense and Jesse Minter a, a lot of versatility at those at those uh, positions. I feel like Jesse Minter is going to have a lot to throw at other teams this year. I hope so. Uh, you know, getting a pass rush and getting more sacks and getting pressure on the quarterback, that's always such a key. I don't, I don't care what defense you, you play or who you are, but uh, they, they have to come up with more pressure than they did last season. And to me, it's hard to refer to last season because it was such a crazy year. And, you know, the, the team was so depleted by the end that I almost feel like just sort of throw that whole thing out and, and just move forward and, and talk about this season. But you're certainly going to have to uh, improve the pass rush. To me, one of the big keys, and it always is in SEC football, is the depth on your defensive line. you got to have about eight guys who can you can rotate in and out at, at a minimum it feels like to me to be successful in this league, but I do feel like they're going to have a lot to throw at, uh, at offenses. And we've seen them throw a lot at this uh, Vanderbilt offense out here in practice. And they, they put a lot of pressure on the quarterbacks. They forced them into tough throws. Uh, we've seen defensive backs get hands on footballs and knock them away when uh, try to complete passes. So uh, yeah, I, I do feel like uh, Jesse and this defense is going to have a lot to uh, make offenses worry about. You hit on two things that I wanted to bring up, Kevin on the defensive line one is pass rushing and I know that they just lost their best two from last year but I feel like at times you've got two guys on the edge that are intriguing right I I don't know what they project as pass rushers although I suspect one of them has got a chance to be a good one but they've got two edge guys who are big long I'm not going to say lean guys they're not skinny but for defensive linemen these guys are just really cut I mean and the guys I'm talking about are Elijah McAllister and Alex Williams. And we've seen them on the field at the same time. I asked Clark Lee about that last week. He said, yeah, you know, we know we've got to get a pass rush. Those guys are long lean athletes. They've got big arms. They can get in passing lanes and disrupt things. So I asked him about that last week. He kind of took the question and went with it where I thought he might. But I think when you're looking at pass rushers, to me, those are the guys that maybe have the best shot to get it done. Yeah, those two are really interesting to me too, Chris, because they almost look like you know power forwards that you'd see playing basketball. Yeah. Elijah McAllister and, and Alex Williams. Elijah's six six and two forty five, guy from New Jersey. But you know, the coaches say with his his length and his positioning, and you know the way he can set the edge. He's had a good camp, uh, and and just uh, some of the comments of the coaches. But um, yeah, I, I think him along with Williams, who just kind of that long, lanky guy. He's you know he, he played some at Ohio State. Uh, but they feel like he can beat beat Lyman inside or outside. Those are very intriguing players because they're they, they don't look like your typical you know gigantic pass rushers coming off the edge. But you know you hope that quickness and and speed can really serve them well and uh, either get to the outside or inside and get that pressure you need. 
This season of the Vandy Sports Podcast is made possible by my friend Dr. Jody Jones, DDS. When it comes to general or cosmetic dentistry services, Jody is the best in Nashville. And just check out his client list. It testifies to that. He sees movie stars, music stars, athletes, coaches, you name it. Jody is the dentist of choice for stars in Nashville. But he sees regular folks like you and I as well. And what people like about the experience is the ambiance. Someone described it to me as a tooth spa. I went in and looked at it myself. That's exactly what it is. It is a relaxing, friendly environment. So whether your dental needs are general or cosmetic, go see Jody. Call him at 615-270-2322. His office is located at 55 Music Square East, not far from downtown Nashville, not far from the Vanderbilt campus. Jody is a former Vanderbilt football player, a huge booster of Commodore Athletics. His support as the title sponsor for Season 7 is the reason we are able to do this podcast. Go see Dr. Jody Jones today. Thank him for his support of the Vandy Sports Podcast and tell him you heard about it here. Well, the other thing that you mentioned is depth on the line. And I thought if you could pinpoint, and it wasn't just one thing, right, but if you could say what was one thing that really stood out to you in James Franklin's first year that helped trigger a turnaround, I would say that it was they had linemen who were in shape to play in the fourth quarter. And and whereas Vanderbilt just used to get gashed there late in games because they didn't have – the depth, the talent, the conditioning that other SEC teams had. That's one thing that James did that really turned it around is he found eight or nine D linemen who could play well enough to where they were fresh at games and all of a sudden, instead of blowing leads, they were they were winning games and being tougher than other teams in the fourth quarter. Now, you talk about the conditioning, which we've talked about before, how much they look like they're in better shape. I'm not ready to project this out uh, onto this season like like it happened 10 years ago under Franklin. But I think between the conditioning and the fact that we've seen at times, I'll give you a for example, Marcus Bradley's kid who a couple of scrimmages ago I thought really uh, stood out to me. I don't know how that's going to translate. They did make an effort on the defensive line to up their recruiting. They got some kids who physically look like more of SEC players than maybe some of the guys that, that Clark Lee inherited. That, that's a mouthful that I've given you there, Kevin. <laughs> but what I'm getting at is I do wonder that between the conditioning uh, and maybe developing some of those freshmen to the point where they can be rotation guys – I don't know if it'll be as pronounced as what we saw with James, but but I do wonder if we won't see an improvement in defensive line play just because of conditioning and maybe finding a couple of new faces there that can help them. Yeah, Chris, maybe that's one of those things that as the season goes along, you see more of those young players get more of those reps, especially in game situations, and get that experience and get them maybe a little more settled in and comfortable. And, you know, it's funny. I was having that same conversation uh, with somebody uh, maybe last week uh, about those early teams with James Franklin and Bob Shoup was the defensive coordinator, and they were really strong up front on the uh, defensive line. And you saw them late in games. I was thinking about one particular game. We had Vanderbilt played at Missouri uh, the first or second year that, that Coach Franklin was here and he had a lead fourth quarter late in the game. And it's one of those situations where sometimes the temptation is to to play soft and just keep everything in front of you and, and just bleed the clock out. They kept on bringing it. 
and applying pressure and bringing those defensive linemen, and they closed out the game right there. There wasn't any playing soft or any of that, you know, playing softer coverage and, you know, just letting them move the ball and, and, and use clock. Uh, they, they brought the house, and, and, and it was very successful. And I, I always sort of took note of that game. I was down on the sideline watching all that unfold, and I was like, you know, that that to me is, is really interesting that they stayed aggressive in that situation. And, and you hope, hey, maybe you, you have those type of situations this season where you have a lead and, you know, you, you see you kind of make that decision on how you want to play it at the end. But, yeah, as far as these linemen, you, you got – you got quite a few guys with uh, quite a bit of experience. You got fourth or fifth year players in the case of some of these guys. And uh, they, they've, they've been out there and they've been through some of these battles in the SEC, or maybe in the case of Alex Williams has you know, played some of the big 10. So uh, yeah, maybe they can help bring some of the young guys along and it'll make a difference as the season goes along. But you, you have to have that depth. You think about this league and the teams that have been good. And for me, LSU always stands out in this department. When you talk about great defensive linemen and, and, and teams that have won championships and not only in the sec but nationally and yeah you can say that about alabama or, or whoever but uh you, you have to have that and that that to me is one thing that really sets the sec apart from other conferences well again it, it is practice right we do not know what will happen in games but you remember and you've seen them back to the woody woodenhofer days and you remember a lot of stuff that bob shoop did under james franklin the way that they run their defense a lot of times in practice just brings back a lot of those memories of, of Woodenhofer and Shoup where they would just throw so much at you where you just look at offenses and you know sometimes they look confused and overwhelmed by what was coming. Again, I, I don't know that they've got that kind of talent on this defense. In fact, they don't. Yeah. But, but Colin can make up for a lot of stuff, and it's been a lot of fun to watch them in practice in terms of what just Jesse Minter throws at people with schemes and blitzes and such. Yeah, and I guess the question becomes, okay, how can you hold up on the back end if you're going to bring that kind of pressure? And I, I think a lot of these young defensive backs, not all young, but I think a lot of these guys have really performed pretty well. You know, we, we saw it especially in the scrimmage where it just felt like they got a hand on everything. Uh, contest, whether it was the uh, defensive front putting the pressure on and just forcing the quarterbacks into tough throws or it was a defensive back kind of coming over the top and arriving at just the right moment to knock a pass away. Uh, I, I've been impressed with kind of the, the whole group here. And uh, you, you got quite a few of these defensive backs that have, have played uh, some football in this league too. So, yeah, I just, I just want to see how it all goes together. You want to see them play somebody else and, you know, where you, where you don't necessarily have a, a total feel for what's coming and, and see how you perform under those uh, conditions. Well, the other thing that's always a topic of fall camp is quarterback battle. Vanderbilt has not named a starter yet. What are you seeing out of the two guys going at it in practice as you watch? Well, yeah, Ken Seals and Mike Ryder are the two we're talking about. Uh, Ken, of course, had, had a big freshman season, three for 1,900 yards, 12 touchdowns, 10 interceptions. Mike Wright, uh, limited time last year, but uh, we saw him used it in various situations now, uh, a sophomore as well. Uh, you know, they're, they're two different type of players. Seals is more your, your pure pocket passer, Wright had got great wheels. Man, that dude can totally run. And I've seen him make some really nice throws in practice at times, but you know, I, I think accuracy and that pocket presence and, you know, the protection of the line, all those things go together, too. Uh, I, I guess I've sort of had the feeling, all, and, and this is based on nothing, uh, just, just my own personal feeling. It's not anything anybody's told me or anything like that. But I mean, you've kind of had the feeling all along that the Seals would be the starter. But you never know. I mean, it, we've got another week and a half to go before the first game. Uh, some things can happen. 
Um, I, I think Mike Wright has, has shown at times uh, to, to be really capable at quarterback. And I, I think regardless of who's the starter and who's the number two, I, I, think gonna, I, I feel like you're going to see both these guys over the course of the season, maybe depending on what the situation might be. But, yeah, I, it's uh, it's been interesting to watch those two get out and perform in practice. Uh, they've had good days and they've had some rough days. But, um, yeah, we'll, we'll find out here very soon uh, what the plan will be at quarterback. Kevin, last thing, the Vandy United announcement was made, or, or maybe to, to phrase it better, facilities plans were revealed in a little bit more detail, not not full detail yet. This is still sort of the you know aerial view of things, uh, so to speak, which we actually did get an aerial view in the announcement yes. in terms of where <laughs> things are going. But um, you know, not as specific maybe as it's going to be, but at least a sign to point us in the direction of where they're going, I guess is a good way to put it. What did you make of what was released this week? Yeah, I thought it was pretty cool. I mean, I, to be honest, I sort of knew some of uh, what was released. I, I'd been told or had conversations uh, about what it might look like. Now, that was a little more definitive of, of a plan. But, yeah, what we saw was uh, the plan for a new football facility, including a new indoor facility, which – uh, if, if I'm looking at it right, the indoor facility would be where the turf practice field is now and expanded McGugan Center uh, with, you know, with new facilities there. And then over across the street in the, uh, the south end zone, uh, a whole new facility and, and uh, more uh, amenities for, for fans and that sort of thing is uh, kind of the, the feeling I get. Uh, but, yeah, that will be a big part of it. It looks like from corner to corner in that south end zone, that, that's going to be all new. Um, then on the other side of things, north end zone, not only uh, an upgrade as far as the football stadium goes, but that's where a new basketball facility will be, uh, offices and, and workout facilities and all those sorts of things. So it, it's exciting. It, it'll be to me, it'll be a lot more fun once you see shovels go into the ground and it'll be way more fun once it's all done. And <laughs> this whole place is going to be a big construction site for a while you know, while they're doing all that work. But. Uh, yeah, I'm just kind of excited to see the whole thing get off the ground and and really see some plans of what it's going to look like. Uh, that I, I was kind of excited to see that because like, okay, that means you know we're taking some steps here, and uh, maybe it might not be too long before we get a little more detail of the plan. I know they've uh, been out to I believe it's Kansas City with uh, the populist group to to have some conversations and and look at the renderings and uh, talk about how it's all going to look and have, you know, the administrators have had a lot of input and how all this is going to go. So yeah, it's it's pretty cool. It's going to be neat to see all this comes together and uh, it's going to be great. Once they get it all done, it'll be uh, outstanding. I'm sure for the uh, student athletes and and everybody around these programs. When do we get a sneak glimpse inside the new Kevin Ingram office complex over there? (laughs) Office suite, whatever that's that's going to be. uh, they are slated for like 2050, I think. Uh, <laughs> there may be some some uh, buildings with Ingram name on them. In fact, there's already a basketball court, but I, I don't know that it'll be anything with, with Kevin Ingram on it. <laughs> Do you ever pull that, the, the walk around campus and say, hey, if you don't think I have cloud on over here, you know, just point a finger to the north? <laughs> uh, no, I, I I make that joke a lot that, that I'm, I'm, rela- I, you know, I'm related to some Ingrams, but not necessarily the, uh, the right Ingrams. Now, I was... I was walking in the other day uh, to the McGugan Center, and they had some spots blocked off, and one of them was for John Ingram, and it, and it made me laugh because a few years ago, I came over to do an interview one day. We were shooting a TV interview, and they they left a spot out front for me, and they put a sign that had my name on it, Kevin Ingram. And, um, of course, Adam Sparks, who was the beat writer for the Tennessean uh, at the time, 
saw it when he was over here and took a picture. And, and of course, the next thing you know, it's all over Twitter. <laughs> and uh, yeah, I, I don't even know if I ever got to use the uh, the parking space or not, because I got over here and then the uh, the interview was delayed. By the time I got back, they'd taken the sign down. So I was like, well, I guess uh, we also missed my opportunity. But yeah, that, that might have been my, my one day to uh, to have the Ingram name, at least with, with my name attached uh, any, anywhere out close out front of the uh, McGugan Center. Do we need a public campaign for you to get your spot back? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> you know, it's funny. I, 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 I kind of know John Ingram a little bit. I mean, I've, I've seen him and his brother and some of their kids around for years on the sidelines. And I, I, I saw John out one day. I was like, we got to be related somehow, don't we? He's like, no, I don't, I don't think so. <laughs> <laughs> um, last thing we did talk about improvements. Uh, one thing that if people haven't been in the stadium uh, since last year, which that would be most for our listening audience, there have been some things done to the open end zone. Looks like they're putting in some premium type seating. I don't even know what that's looked like over the last week if they've continued to put some things there. But that end zone will have a different look, and it looks like it's going to be kind of a neat experience for the folks, uh, which doesn't appear like it'll be a ton of them. But whoever's sitting down uh, behind that goalpost and that end zone underneath the scoreboard now, that looks like it's some some neat things happening there. Yeah, it does, Chris. Well, it was like kind of a little, uh, I don't know if you call it a club area or, you know, just kind of a, an open seating area where, you know, people can uh, maybe sit and have a little table and, and enjoy some food while they're watching the game. And that, that area has been a berm area for the last several years. And you, you go back farther than that. It used to be some bleachers down there in that end zone and in various forms. It would, yeah, it does like it look like it's going to be a neat seating area. And, hey, you know, maybe a uh, get a little warm over there on the sidelines. Maybe I can walk down there and then kick it down there in the end zone for a little bit. But yeah, it looks like it's going to be nice. Uh, they've been working on that throughout the summer. They, they uh, cleared out what was there before and they've been uh, building that area for quite a while now. Well, Kevin, we'll talk again in a couple of weeks before I let you go. I wanted to give you the floor to talk about where the broadcast is to promote that and any things you guys are, are doing with that. Give out your Twitter handle, anything like that, that you'd like to promote for the school yourself. Uh, it's, for viewers to do that before we end. <laughs> I appreciate it. Yeah, um, we're going to have uh, quite a bit of content coming up. Uh, Andrew Allegretta and I do we do our weekly podcast called The Anchor, which usually comes out on Thursday. Uh, we're going to have our uh, coaches show, our Commodore Hour. It will start on Monday on uh, ESPN 94.9, uh, 102.5 The Game, with that whole uh, that cluster of stations, 93.3 is where you can find a game broadcast. But uh, it's going to be fun. Yeah, we're going to start having Commodore Hour, and that'll feature Clark Lee on Mondays. Uh, and, yeah, check out our podcast, a lot of social media content. But, yeah, we'll have our first game broadcast with a pregame starting 90 minutes away from kickoff a week from Saturday when Vanderbilt plays East Tennessee State. But I'm glad it's here. It's going to be a lot of fun. And uh, also going to have some uh, from some daily updates on uh, 102.5 The Game and, and ESPN 94.9. So be listening for those. Those will start on Monday. But you can uh, – I'll be uh, – Give them a little more information at my uh, Twitter page, uh, K Ingram Sports, if you want to check that out. Hey, thanks, Kevin. We look forward to catching up with you again in two weeks. Anytime, Chris. Thanks, man. Thank you for listening to today's episode. We thank our presenting sponsor, Jody Jones DDS. We thank our other sponsors, Sutherland and Belk and MyPerfectFranchise.net. If you're interested in sponsoring this podcast, and that's how we make this work, please email me at chrisley70 at gmail.com. 
We also ask that you subscribe to our website, VandySports.com. That is $99 a year. You get things there that you don't get here. And, of course, please rate, review, and subscribe where you see our podcast. That helps us get noticed. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at VandySports.com. Follow me at ChrisLee70. And finally, subscribe to our Vandy Sports YouTube channel as well. Thank you for listening to the Vandy Sports Podcast, which is part of the 440 Network. I'm your host, Chris Lee. We'll catch you with another episode coming very soon.